1: There were spiders. If you follow our Instagram account, I think I've documented the photo that there are spiders in the press box. Black and um, red you on Instagram. That's right. Ben, Ben, uh, Ben's good at social media promotion. Uh, I was just going to carry on and not mention the name of it. <laughs> um, but uh, no, there were, uh, I guess back in like July, there was one little spider in the corner that I only noticed on my way out as I was walking out the door, basically. Um, And then there was a gap in time. And then at the next game, there were a couple. And then you start to look around and there's like four or five on the ceiling. Um, uh, Lizzie Becerano, our recap writer, is particularly not fond of spiders. So we spent the whole game kind of like watching the game, but like glancing up because every once in a while, one of the spiders would just sort of like decline a little bit just to give itself um, a length of web for, for later, I guess, and then go back up to the ceiling. Just to just to get its web established, I guess it's like the warm up round. I don't know how spider webs work, um, but it would <laughs> descend. Clear. The point is that the spider would descend maybe like a foot from the ceiling and then go back up. So it's just it was diminitude. really just
0: messing with you guys.
1: Right. Um, and when there are like five of them and it happens every, you know, 10 minutes, you see one on the move coming down. It's it's a little nerve wracking. Um, maybe so they were
0: practicing their choreography.
1: It could be. Yeah, I, I don't know what they do up. during the, the rest of the time that they're there. <laughs> Um, so it was kind of like, you know, I mentioned it uh, to the team on the way out. They're like, oh, we'll have someone come through and like sweep out all the webs and all that stuff tomorrow. So, you know, we'll get it sorted. Uh, and at the spirit game, uh, the problem was much lower. There are still some, because it's a sliding glass thing. There are gaps. Spiders can get in if they want. Um, but it's a difference between like a couple of spiders versus many, many spiders. Um,
2: can so, spiders really get into any any building if they want yeah, to? If
1: they really want to, yeah. If a spider wants to get into a place, they're going to get in. Um, it's their
0: world. We're just living on it.
2: Right.
1: Um, and so at this game, uh, after I ate my food, I went down to... Um, it, it's the friendly, so there aren't that many people there. And there's not really... The assigned seating list is not as important uh, as it normally is, which it, it already isn't all that important. But on a friendly, there are like... 15 people for 36 seats. So there's plenty of room to spread out if you want to. So I went down there specifically looking for a spot with no spiders above us. <laughs> and so I found one. I was like, oh, this is a good spot. There's spider. I can see a couple in the corner over to the left. And I could see a couple in the corner uh, to the right. But where we are, we're clear of any spiders. Um, so Lizzie uh, got there after me. And she was like, you know, she was immediately looking for them. I was like, no, I picked a spot where I was sitting down and I was telling her, I was like, yeah, there's no spiders. I looked around to make sure there weren't any, um, above our heads. So it's a lot less nerve wracking to deal with. Um, so as I'm saying that and looking at her to my left, I'm using my right arm to move the chair that's next to mine, give myself a little elbow room. Cause I was kind of bumping up against it. And I feel like something gray the hairs on my right arm. And I look over and there's a spider on that chair that is at it, it, for, fortunately for me, it's running away like it had gotten on my arm and then decided to go elsewhere. Um, and
0: Jason's that rude. That
1: That's rude, man. That spider was there to cover the game. It could be. Yeah. Uh, well, they should have uh, put out a bigger, obvious visual presence um, so that uh, I wasn't knocking chair 26 aside. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yes, as I was explaining that I have been I said, we have fewer spiders than before there was actually direct spider contact immediately as I was saying those (laughs) words. So um, the press box is slowly becoming uh, the realm of the spider. Um, I think if it might've disappeared because I did it as an Instagram story, but I definitely put up a post that was a photo of spider webs by the bike valet sign because the light was catching them just so as I was walking back to the parking lot and they were substantial webs. The spiders themselves were very small, but they have built massive webs up there. So, um, yeah, Audi Field, soon to be Spider Field. Uh, maybe that's the next sponsor.
0: It can't be a DC United Stadium without nature exerting itself and in asserting itself and, and taking over, really.
2: I mean, I mean, stadiums are just big outdoor areas, so it makes sense that wildlife is there. It's true. It's difficult to
1: avoid some wildlife presence. Um, It's just like you're on
0: the beach getting eaten by.
1: What did you say it was before the show? Sand fleas, sand fleas or gnats or something. uh, Got both of my forearms specifically. Um, When I did my, uh, I got to the beach. I did what I do, which is you unload, you pour yourself a drink. As soon as you put the last thing down or into a fridge that has to, you immediately begin making yourself a stiff drink because you're on vacation uh, and then you walk yourself to the beach. Um, so I did that and I went and stood and it was a beautiful night. There was the skies were completely clear. I stared at the stars and drank my drink. Um, and I was very happy with myself. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, my arm itches. And then later in the day, I was like, I have both of my arms itch. And uh, yeah, so since since that, at some point in the night, I was just devoured by whatever uh, tiny insects uh, eat your blood on the beach of Seattle City, New Jersey. Hey, hey, welcome in.
0: This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Insects Out for Jason podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. He is for now Jason Anderson. He might be several insects in a trench coat. I can't confirm uh, from my present location. Uh, Ben Bromley. Of course, as always, as always, is here as well. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We talk about DC United. That's what we're doing tonight. DC United won three to nothing in Montreal. We're going to talk happily about that. And then we're going to answer your questions in the second segment. We're going to open up the old Twitter box and uh, see what you have for us there. So uh, before we do anything, though, we have a little tradition. Benjamin, what are you drinking?
2: I had bourbon. I had vermouth and I combined them into a Manhattan because I'm not very creative uh, at the moment. Oh yeah. Uh, Cinnamon bitters actually not, uh, Mm. not the traditional Anagostra bitters, but yeah, you got to throw bitters in there. Yeah.
0: It's not a cocktail without. All right, Jason, what do you got there?
1: Uh, I have a Paloma with, um, um, grapefruit seltzer and, uh, fresh grapefruit juice. And so I took the last little bit of tequila I had with me to the beach and it ran out that night, the first night. So then I went to the liquor store and went to their much smaller tequila selection than I expected. Um, I bought a bottle of 1800, which I had never had before. It's not that great. Um, it's fine to mix. I've never had 1800 before. I've never had 1800 before. There's always been some other known brand that's been less like Salsa is Salsa is better than 1800 and cheaper, for example. Um, yeah, it's not that
2: great. I would say oh, 1800 great. is all, all marketing. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 but it's, you know, it's fine. But, it's the, not but the top of 1800 but, is, is a shot glass. Uh, no, not on this bottle. It's just a big plastic thing. It can't be used as a shot glass. Um, it's obnoxiously big, but it is easy I mean, don't to twist. That you, you, they probably they you used probably to be able to flip it over, and, yeah, uh, they, you probably have to pay extra for that. But you're already uh, paying too much uh, to get eighteen hundred compared to what you could get yes, from another. So um, when you go to the liquor store at the beach, and they've got five kinds of tequila, and one of them is Cuervo, uh, the list is short. So I was like, I'll have the one I haven't had before, and uh, you know, now I've had it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm uh, I'm just drinking a beer, a pretty good beer, a very on-trend beer at the moment. Uh, DC Browse Joint Resolution Hazy IPA. Um, I think I've had it on the show before. It's a good beer. It's a good example of the style. Um, which I every time I drink it, I'm like, I'm I can't do this. I'm I'm too damn being too damn trendy, and I don't want to do that. But then I drink it, and it's really good. And like, I get it. I see why these are popular right now because the juicy hazy IPAs are, are very delicious and I like them and in spite of myself. So
1: I'm glad that someone started doing something different with IPAs instead of just saying how many can I, when at some point am I going to just have a bottle that is not even a liquid, it's just hops in a bottle and you're just supposed to gnaw on what pours out.
2: I will say Richmond right now is really good at, uh, New England style IPAs. That's like what the, these are. The hazy, are. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, And so, come on, I think everyone is. A I think these a are non-West the- Coast IPA.
0: Yeah, I like a West Coast IPA, but they got so over the top. Um yeah. I'm. I'm really happy this this New England hazy, juicy style, whatever you want to call it, has um, started to come into ascendance. It's just very, very of this moment, almost to a painful degree, and. I'm distracted by Jason's sunglasses.
1: Oh, those are my eyeglasses. I'm just sitting in the dark. <laughs> I'm not actually in the dark. I'm actually directly under a light. It's it's at here. You guys can see it. Our listeners can't. Uh, but I put my glasses on because the TV is on in the background, and uh, but the room is dark, so it looks like I'm wearing sunglasses in a dark room. Um, this is why I was, why I was say, distracted.
0: I'm normally able. Like we haven't had video in a while. Yes, and, and you're, we you're now have video as we're like recording again. Yeah, it's been a long time. And now I thought I was going to be able to handle the video and I cannot clearly. And it
1: wasn't it wasn't through Ben and I trying to screw you over. (laughs) No, it was just I decided to put my glasses on to read something (laughs) that was on TV. Which Um, and that was it. Sneaky trying to distract (laughs) me.
0: I would, I think, have the, the fortitude, the mental strength league to to fight it off not let you into my head, but when you just do something that looks like you're <laughs> just sitting, staring and wearing sunglasses in a dark room,
1: that's going to catch me every time. You that's fair. Me. I mean, it, w- without any comment, you I got, you've got to get a- to extraordinarily distracting. <laughs> you've
2: got to get to a Maraqua's level.
0: I do clearly. I need, I need training. I need coaching. I think I need a montage of, of Quincy mariqua bringing me up in the mental strength league, working on the MLS railroad. Anyway, on to more recent soccer things Uh, with the season in the balance, DC United have no better friends, of course, than the Montreal impact Um, at the risk or at risk of dropping down to the very fringes of the playoff positions. uh, The black and red went north on Saturday night, came home three nothing winners from Stad Saputo, each goal coming within the first half hour of the game. Of course, memories of last year's five, nothing win over Montreal that really just cemented DC United's momentum going into the postseason. Not that it meant much once we got there, but was part of that fun run in. Um, Always fun to, to reminisce about that. And, you know, there, there's a few teams this year that it's just been a weird, I'm sure coincidence, but Montreal with the season on the line, Rooney will score ridiculous goals against Orlando. DC United will not show up against Philadelphia. The, the, those are just facts now that we know. Um, <laughs> and I don't necessarily like that that last one, but being able to to count on beating Montreal with the season on the line is is you know not the worst thing.
1: it's It's something to have in your back pocket when the season is on the line, I guess.
0: Yeah, we just got to make sure we always play Montreal in these last five games.
1: Right. Like if somehow the impact can make a run to the Eastern Conference Final and DC can somehow get there, then we know that they'll just advance. Yeah, they'll and and keep a clean sheet in the process. Apparently, it's good. It's good to have MLS Cup hopes hinging on uh, an extraordinarily (laughs) unlikely series of events.
2: But it's also good that Nacho Piatti is not
1: around anymore.
2: That is that is an important factor,
1: yeah, uh, and kind of sad. It's, like like it's yeah. good for DC, but it is sad that he's just been injured oh, yeah. this season
0: because he's super fun to watch. Um, yeah, not so much fun to play. against, no, but he's very not. fun to watch. Uh, let's talk about this. I mentioned the that every goal United scored or every goal in the game came in the first half hour. Ola Kamario with a brace, um, and and Paul Ariola with a goal in between the two. Uh, the, The talk elsewhere after this one seemed to be that this was a classic Benny ball approach. This was just the LA galaxy game all over again. And I am here to say that it was not because the team I saw in the first half hour of this game is not the same approach that we saw against LA. This was not a full on bunker and, and ride it out and try to catch one at the other end. This was a team that went out and pressed more than we've seen recently. And, earned that lead, even though they came from set pieces and a goal kick, actually all three started with dead balls. Um, but this was a team that went out and and put a stamp on the game to use a cliche. Uh, and then once they were up three, nothing had no reason to expose themselves and, and settled into a comfortable low block.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the lineup kind of spoke to maybe the future of the team, given that, we know Rooney won't be back. We, it's reasonable to think that Acosta might not be back. Um, and that means that the two guys that don't have necessarily the physical quickness to, to be on a full high press team um, are gone. Uh, and so you most likely are replacing them with guys that can do that. Um, and if you don't, if you lose their ideas, you lose their creativity and skill you have to find some way to create chances without them. And so uh, DC United for this game, at least went out and uh, it wasn't a full-time high press. This wasn't the Peter Vermes uh, of old or the Red Bulls um, high press, Uh, but it's still, they were committing numbers to pressing the impact um, and it was causing the impact problems. They were, they were the better team to start this game. Um, They did luck into a goal, um, you know, Junior Moreno taking a free kick uh, is already a thing where you're like, is he the best option right now? Because um, out of that group, I mean, I, I'm not saying Moreno is bad at free kicks. I'm just saying that when I look at the other 11 players, I'm like, maybe Moreno is not the guy I would have expected to get the nod there. Um, shoots the ball straight into the center of the wall. Normally, that doesn't fall to a deadly striker. Uh, for hey, He placed
0: team. it exactly where that gap in the wall was going to be. Right.
1: Um. Yeah, that's another thing is that, that their wall was bad. Uh, it gave a gap where the ball was headed. So the ball didn't just hit someone, it hit someone and then got through,
0: um, yeah, but also died yes. in such a way that it didn't just careen through Um, with less speed. It actually just fell right in front of Ola Kamara, who did what Ola Kamara does and puts that away. <laughs>
1: But th- this is the the cliche of you make your own luck. This is that happening. This is that coming to fruition. This was DC's press and their willingness, the willingness of Lucas Rodriguez, who had a really good game throughout, um, to run at people and draw a foul. That's what gets the free kick. That's what creates these circumstances that luck might fall your way. Um, these This is the kind of good break that DC hasn't been getting lately, but it's also because they haven't been earning those good breaks Um, and this is one they went out and they created the circumstances where this would happen, and then they took advantage of it, Um, and that is what good teams do. I mean, yeah, it's lucky, but it's lucky in the way that you know LAFC gets lucky sometimes or NYCFC gets lucky sometimes. This is what you should be doing.
2: Yeah, and this is why you pay Ola Kamara this amount of money is for these kinds of goals. He is a pro at being in the box and just finding any little ball that squirts out and, and getting it into the back of the net. And that's what the team is doing down the road uh, this season uh, whenever Wayne Rooney is out. And that's what they're going to do next season when he's not here anymore. And it's just showing uh, from the very beginning that this can work, uh, especially with the team that they've got right now. And hopefully they can, Trans- transition this into a uh, contending team next year. Kamara
0: all, uh, didn't get the assist, um, but he's also a huge part of why Paul Ariola's goal happened. Hamid takes the the goal kick and Piet, the, the defensive midfielder for Montreal, gets underneath it. And Kamara goes in like he's going to go for the header and gives him a little nudge before he goes up, which is something you see on set pieces all the time, not letting a guy get a clean header on it. Kamara gives him just enough to have him head it backwards. And Ariola runs onto it behind the defense and scores one V one with the keeper. Um, you, you see those kinds of plays, but it was just the it, Kamara knew exactly what he was doing and did it in a way that it wasn't a foul, at least not a foul that was ever going to be called. And, and it worked out and um, see Birnbaum actually did something similar on the last goal. Um, the, which was a corner kick, to the far post, which we always see. And normally you see Burnbaum go up for it or Briant go up for it. In this case, burn ran in front of Briant and just instead of going up for it, kind of ran into the back of the defender in such a way, just to throw him off balance a little bit, which gave Briant a free header. He hits it right to Kamara in the center of the six who, who redirects it home. Um, I don't know if that was planned, but it was, it was well executed, whatever it was. Um, it was good to see dc united take those those little moments and do the the unglamorous thing that makes the glamorous thing possible and i want to see more of that cuz that that's those little things really help you win those set pieces on both ends of the field honestly
1: yeah um, the kamara the the thing with um piet um that's something that every good striker does and and Rooney does these things too it's not like Kamara's the the only player on the team that delivers that um Quincy Ameriqua certainly oh, sure. delivers um you know a metric ton of that in every single game um but like you see it all over the league you see um good strikers when they give themselves a, a big chance out of out of something that seemed fairly innocent it usually comes down to the striker as the ball is being struck, even is initiating contact to buy themselves some time or space. Um, Josie Altador is really great at that, at just getting in and, and maybe kind of, you know, shoulder checking the defender just so they're off balance. So when the play is actually about to happen, the defender is still recovering from that rather than being feet set, ready to act. Um, and this was a case where Piet. You know, Kamara knows that if he goes in a little too hard, Piet doesn't go straight up and down, and so it's not that he's off balance going up, it's that he's like off to one side, kind of falling as he jumps, and then you get caught. Um, then you get the foul called on you. But because Piet was still able to go up for the ball, he was just not able to go up and control his body to 100% uh, accuracy. That's what causes... I mean it, when when people use these clichés like a game of inches I mean if this ball is an inch further forward it hits Piet's forehead and goes back up the field and we're not talking about two nothing but because it hits just a tiny bit further back on his head it ends up being a backheader that sends Paul Ariola in on a breakaway um so that that's the kind of thing that DC has not done enough of um you know or or when they've done it they haven't made it count um, either way it's one of those little things and it kind of comes back to Um, I highlighted this tweeting from the site account during the game. um, DC was dominating in the duels one category. Um, They went to Montreal and they knew both teams knew this was a crucial game. And in those games, so often it's the team that, that fights the hardest. And it's not that Montreal didn't fight. It's that DC made sure that they fought even harder. And this is one of those little things that when you're the team fighting harder, you're committing that play and getting Piet to go up and Piet says, oh, he committed, he fouled me. And Everyone in Montreal says it's a foul, but you're not going to get that call most often in MLS. So that means, by and large, it's not a foul um, based on how the league uh, calls these things. Um, and if you're a Piet, the job is you got to go up stronger than that and not get knocked off like that. So, um I say good for Kamara. Um, good finish for yeah. Mariola to, to make sure because that's good been an run. issue. Like
0: he recognized yeah. it before everyone else. And he wasn't, right. he wasn't in an offside position even before it started. So it wasn't like he was just behind and it wouldn't have been offside had he been in an offside position and, because it was played back by the defense, but he recognized that moment before anyone on the defense did and got there first. It was, it was a good play from him all around.
1: Yeah. Cause if he's not off on the run, um, he might not get there first. Evan Bush might get there before him, or at least mm-hmm. close the angle to such an extent that he can't do anything with the opportunity. So um, he had to be expecting the play to turn out well, and that's maybe something else DC has up yeah. until this game not doing as much is, is maybe not having that. Um, the, the the level of optimism an athlete has to have is bizarre for real life. Um, it's It's unrealistic when you actually think about it but athletes kind of have to live in that double think space where they, yeah, they know it's not likely to work out, but they have to do it anyway. And they have to do it with conviction. And Ariola made that run at full. It wasn't a half speed run. It wasn't a like, Oh, I'll just trot forward. And if the ball happens to fall to me, great, but I know it's not going to, this was a like, no, no, the ball's coming to me. Uh, I'm going to have a breakaway right now. Um, And, you know, it's, these are the little things that DC has not been doing. Uh, all of this is, all everything that happened in in to get to 3 nothing is all the stuff that they've just been coming up a little short on and they finally didn't come up short and yes, you know, it's Montreal. They've been a mess. It doesn't look like Wilmer Cabrera was the answer there. Um but whatever, you have to go beat the team that's in front of you and you have to do all this all these little things have to get done for you to keep doing that.
0: Now they just got to keep doing it. Um couple of lineup choices I want to talk about before we move on. Lucho once again, benched in this one. He played well in the last game, scored a goal, was was lively. The team looked more dangerous with him on the field, but Ben Olsen opted to to start him on the bench again in this game. Uh I was a little surprised by that. I thought he was gonna be back in the eleven after his performance off the bench, but obviously Ben uh another Ben disagreed with me.
2: Yeah, I think at this point it it has to be something that Ben Olson sees, uh, not Ben Olsen sees in training necessarily, but it's a, it's what he wants to do going forward. I, th- I think that, uh, I think it's a sign that uh, Lito Acosta is probably not coming back next year because Ben Olsen is uh, not only thinking about what's best for his team right now, but it's thinking about what's best for his team next year as well. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Lucho doesn't start any more games this year because uh they he didn't start in a congested fixture s- season and uh for the rest of the year the the there's not a lot of congestion it's 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 pretty solid for the rest of the year so I think it's just something that's just going to play out the rest of the season I think I think this is what it is right now
1: yeah, um I think I think Ben's right that uh the the team has gotten um some improved performances in certain spots and um also I think it's kind of a concession from Olsen that maybe the way into the playoffs isn't going to be um, technical quality and being brilliant going forward. It's going to be more about pressing or defensive shape or um speed. Um those other qualities that are a little less fun. Um I think we all had more fun watching last year's DC United than we've had watching this year's DC United. Um, but at the same time, at a certain point, you've got to stop fighting a battle that is not going to turn around. And I think it's fair to say that this team wasn't going to suddenly find themselves back playing, um, you know, August, September, uh, 2018 form. It, it, that wasn't about to just bubble back up. Um, so you have to find a different way to go about your business. Um, so, it's tough for Lucho because I think he did do well against Philly. Um, but at the same time, um, how do you fit him in to the group? Um, right now? Um, where's the, where's the place that he goes that doesn't mean Ariola's is out of the middle, or that doesn't mean that Rodriguez sits after the performance he had. Um, the guys that got the opportunity by and large have done something with that opportunity. um, if there's one spot open in the front four, it's probably Segura and you've got Wayne Rooney um, probably taking it before Lucho does. So um, it's it's tough because I, I don't think Lucho is specifically the problem, but I do think in the little things category, he's definitely been less good um, and, and wasn't really about to bounce back anytime soon. So um, it's, it's tough, but it's also kind of the way forward at this point.
0: I think we'll get we'll get back to the lineup question at the end of this segment, um, because there are a few questions about how do players fit together. Um, and we might have gotten a little bit of an answer at, at the friendly. But before we, we get to that, uh, Russell Knauss might now be a fullback, which is not a sentence well. that makes any sense to me. Um, he, he started the game in Montreal. And went 90 minutes
1: at, at fullback. Well, we all spent time, everyone, not just us, but like we all spent time as a as a fan base trying to divine whether the lineup graphic was accurate or whether yeah. it was like maybe they were just given a list of names and had to put together a graphic based on a guess. Um
2: but they've been accurate like the entire yeah. season. And they so. were accurate on this when yeah. we yeah, it,
0: it didn't make sense to see Russell Knauss there, but he went out and had a pretty good game at right back. He, you know, he, it's his first game in like three years. Apparently he played a little bit of right back in Germany before he came to DC, but this was his first game in black and red at fullback and he did pretty well. He's a good one-on-one defender and he, you know, he was conservative with his positioning, which is appropriate um, given the circumstances. And I think he only got beat once, one on one and in that case he also he he managed to make sure he got beat to the side he had help and was able yes. to recover and nothing came of it. It was it was exactly the right way to get beat. If you're going to get beat, he didn't get beat where there was no help. He got beat where the corner could help him and and there was also another defender there. So he had himself a pretty solid game at the position and then in the friendly against Playbla he came in in the second half and played that position again.
1: With so, with Hara on the field too. Yeah. Um, so we ended up with Hara playing defensive midfield and Canals playing right back, um, which is kind of uh, indicative, backwards. maybe, of what's about to happen. It's it's yeah.
0: pickup ball now,
1: <laughs> right? Um, but no, Canals. Uh, I thought. I I, I mean, the one on one defending. I knew that wasn't going to be a problem because that's one of his strengths: his his quickness, his uh, balance, um, his his willingness to get get the tackle in, all of that stuff. He's just got that mindset um of being absolutely determined not to get beaten um i thought he played right back a little more like nick daleon um mm-hmm. than anyone else um so not really overlapping a lot not trying to hit a bunch of crosses um not trying to turn the ball over either um he did a good job in that department i think he only misplaced six six or seven attempted passes something like that um So he, he was a support option in the attack. And, and if DC is trailing, they, that might be a thing they have to worry about. Um, but uh, you know, in this game playing from the front, this was a, a, it was a great, uh, option because he made Lassie lappin who has, was playing in Serie A before he got, before he's one of the many Bologna players to suddenly sign with the impact, uh, because Joey Saputo basically treats the impact like, uh, Bologna B, um, so, you know, he was playing against somebody who's who's not nobody. This is a Finnish international who's got serial experience. And Kanaus made him very predictable. Um, so that was a big plus. Um, yeah, I, I think he did about as well as anyone could have reasonably expected him to do. And it's probably, especially with them having multiple road games coming up, I think that's, we're going to keep seeing it. I, I don't think he's going anywhere.
0: I joked at the time because we were trying to make sense of it um, that Ben Olsen had clearly been working in secret on Burhalter's system for the US men's national team. And Canales was going to be that inverted fullback who's going to move up into the six when in possession. And then it's like, you know, that makes a little bit of sense, except that it's completely impossible because he's been hurt forever. And been back in full training for like a week and a half. So it obviously wasn't going to be that case. And Ben Olsen is not the guy who's going to run that out either. So, but, but it was fun to think about for a second. Um, I think now looking at it, the actual reason um, is what Leo Hara brings is, is not that one V one defending. It's not speed. It's his, his passing ability from, from that right back position, um, turning it into more of a, a combination threat and a, a threat for through balls. But he's also been lately been prone to turnovers and defensive lapses even more so than he had been. So you're you're losing on both sides of the ball with Haro compared to what his standard had been. So makes sense to sit him and see if you have something else, especially um, with Russell Knauss coming back because he brings that that edge that Ben Olsen loves. And we see why, because that edge actually does help you win. So it it makes some sense. And I'm, I don't know if I really want to see more Knauss, but I think you're right, Jason, that we will see more Knauss at fullback because he has to be on the field. And that's the spot where, where you can get him in right now.
2: I would prefer Russell Knauss at fullback than uh, Paul Areola. Yes. There you go, Ben.
1: Uh, you. We found a way a workaround to prevent your nightmare from happening.
0: Exactly. <laughs> the, so the and, and reason it, is it, because it, Ben Olson listens to this podcast and wants to make you happy.
2: And it, and it verified on the field. It it was better than Paul Ariel at right back.
0: It was on both sides of the ball. Yeah. There you go. Uh, let's see. We're gonna end talking about uh, what I want to see or what we want to see next week. But before we do, shouts to Joanna Lohman in the booth for the first time broadcasting on this game. And she was really good. She I she brought it. insight. She was great. Um, when Devin McTavish comes back to the booth, I, I want to see Loman stay there. I want Joe in the booth. She was fun. She was good.
1: And she made it seem so easy. She, um, I've she always makes been everything seem
0: so easy. She's right. I've always great been the impression she does. that.
1: Like the first time for any announcing job is always going to be a little rocky because you're going to go in and um, things, you know, you've got an earpiece in. You're not used to having that going on. You've got other stuff. You've got multiple monitors. In this case, um, she's
0: calling the game from a screen. She's not there in yeah. person.
1: And yet she made it seem like the most natural thing in the world, which uh I, I guess I mean, anytime someone does something the first time and they make it seem easy um it's like a magic trick um it's like well yeah of, of course I could do this um but yeah she she did a great job um it was pretty great I mean it's a good problem to have I guess uh looking at it from like a team perspective you've got uh Devin and Joanna both can can do the job to the level that they do it so um that's a big plus um uh Dave Johnson is gonna have to start making some difficult choices uh, <laughs> as head coach of the announcing team I assume that's how it works I'm probably wrong
0: well, speaking of difficult choices on lineups, uh, what what do we see next week? Wayne Rooney is back in the fold after his suspension. Um, Lucho might be in the mix to get on the starting lineup. You have to find a way. I mean, Rooney has to be back on the field, one assumes, although United's last two wins have come with him off the field. So I don't know. I think he has to start probably because he's Wayne Rooney um, and he brings a lot of quality because he's Wayne Rooney but Ola Kamara has been fantastic in his short time with DC United so far. Is there a way to fit them both on the field? Is there a way to fit them both on the field with Lucho?
2: I think the first part, yes. The second part, no, I think there is a way to fit Ola Kamara and Wayne Rooney on the field. Uh, And the way that it happens is with Wayne Rooney at the 10 and Lucho Acosta on the bench. Uh, I think that it's going to be a similar lineup, but just moving Paul Ariola back out to the uh, wing uh, instead of in the middle. And then uh, Ola Kamara stays at the striker position. Wayne Rooney moves into the uh, attacking midfielder position. And then it's uh, Rodriguez and Ariola flanking him. So I, I think that because we've seen lucho on the bench for a number of weeks now i think with uh with rooney coming back i think it's he's not gonna be the one uh he's not gonna be the one starting
0: i think you're probably right um but jason Mm -hmm. lucho played a different position in the friendly against puebla that is there any chance he he does that in an mls game
1: um, so I specifically started to ask Ben Olsen this question after the game. Um, I, I want to know what he thought of his performance in that spot because he was playing the eight um, in a 4 um, 2 And then I wanted to know if there was any chance of us ever seeing it. And before I could get the question out, Olsen was already cutting me off. Um, not out of, was not out of rudeness. He knew the question. He already was ready to start answering it. Um, <laughs> he said that it's not something that we're going to see from the start of a game. Um, it's one of those situations where you don't want to rule anything out when games get weird, especially the the play- playoffs are now all knockout games. Um, yeah. so a first, the D- DC's first playoff game, we could see some, something we've never seen before by the end of the game, if DC is trailing, or even if they're trying to hold on, um, and they're shorthanded or something like that. Um, so he didn't want to rule that out, but he said from the start of a game, no, that's not something they're going to do. Um, the uh, whole idea was just, um, he wanted to make sure that um, Acosta, Rooney, and Ameriqua all got uh, the amount of minutes that they wanted them to get. And so that was one of those situations where it's like, how do I get all these guys on the field at the same time? And that's what they decided to go with. Um, But yeah, it it was interesting to see. Um, It certainly gave uh, Pueblo some fits when Lucho picked up the ball and and was running at people from those deeper spots. But um, yeah, I don't, I doubt we're going to see it. It's unlikely we'll ever see it again, but it is something that at least those of us that went to the game can say that we saw with our own eyes. No one else can because they didn't see it.
0: Just as a quick counterpoint to all of that, as our good friend, Kim McCauley has said, Ben Olsen is a troll <laughs> and he true. will say things that are flatly false that he knows to be false to the media
1: because it's fun. know, <laughs> but also you wouldn't want to give that away. Yeah, um, for sure. If you were considering showing up in Portland and playing Lucho as your number eight, um, you would want Gio Savarese to be like, wait, wait, for real. Um, that's what, and, and like the game has kicked off and he's saying like, seriously, um, you want that like, because he's looking you, at the lineup graphic, trying to figure right. it out. Now the downside of that is like, it could be seriously. And then it goes horribly awry. um, or it could be that you caught someone completely off guard. Um, but yeah, you, you definitely want to keep something like that to yourself. But it, it did seem like something that was much more about how can I get X number of players, the minutes that they have to get tonight, and much less about, let me see if this works for the future. I think that's it for this segment, except to say Yamil Asad is coming back. It's official. Yes. Um, yeah, he was in the locker room. Uh, I guess before we finish up, I'll, I'll mention that, that, um, as, as I think really just as media, as we were walking in, um, he wandered in as well. And, uh, the, the guys that were on the team last year were very happy to see him. I don't know that they'd actually had a chance to, um, actually see him, uh, since he got to town because he, they've got to prepare for the game. He's got to go through the various, you know, you don't just take the physical and sign the paperwork. It's probably a whole day of stuff. Um, you have to, you have to Instagram from the wharf too. Right. We, well, you have to Instagram from the wharf. Uh, it's like going to the DMV, but there's an Instagram from the <laughs> wharf involved. Um, so yeah, he, he seemed, everyone seemed very happy to see him. He was in, uh, I mean, granted, wh- when was the, when have you ever seen you, Saad not grinning, but he was grinning. Um, he was happy to be back. So, um, yeah, it, it 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 was definitely a mood boost for the team for sure. Um, and you know, obviously for for people that want to go see him play, you're going to have to get out to Segra Field. Uh yeah, the actual news he's be playing
0: for anyone listening who hasn't already heard, which should be very few of you. Yamil Assad signed a pre contract for next year and one or two years after that with DC United, so he'll be on the roster next year. In the meantime, he signed a short-term deal for the rest of this season with Loudon United. So, well, Yamil Assad versus the USL. Yeah, you know, so and all up. this
2: is still <laughs> technically allegedly because nothing has been officially announced. No,
0: it's re- right. Yeah, it's reportedly at this point, but it's it right. seems like a pretty good bet given yeah. he's he's showing yeah. his mug,
1: yeah, yeah showing yeah. up, uh, congratulating teammates. Yeah, um, I, I assume now that this means that the Yamil Assad beat is officially Ryan Kiefer's beat uh, for the world. Um, for for at least the next few months. He is if you want to know what's up with Yamil Assad, you need to, to go talk to Ryan because he's gonna be at those games out in Leesburg over and over again. Just, and a, they still have just ten games
2: left. They've like That's double the name they've they, double the games that uh, DC United has left.
1: They're doing the DC United twenty eighteen plan. It's yeah, almost it's exactly the same thing. So yeah, they've got a ton of games. So Yamil is probably gonna score like 15 goals in his <laughs> his 10 game window in the USL. So that's oh going to be
0: It makes me so happy that he's back and that he's going to like get to warm up against USL. Uh, I'm so happy right now. Let's end the segment because I'm happy. Stick around. It's a filibuster. We'll talk to you in a minute. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right?
2: Yeah, you called the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights.
0: That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or, or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the Ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to earlicklawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast it's time to open up the old twitter box where we answer your question is, yes, Ben. That is a very nice gesture that our listeners won't see. But now we can see it because we're back on video <laughs> as we record. You didn't have to mention uh, any of that. Nope. I I, I have gone over to hear about on segments. People love to hear about this kind of
1: thing on podcasts.
0: Seriously, Quincy America, call me. I need help <laughs> with the mental strength aspects of podcasting. First question tonight comes from our... A uh, longtime listener, frequent uh, contributor to the Twitter box, Pariserolifus on Twitter at lofus89, who uh, asks us how many points are needed to make the playoffs in the East this year. Will beating Sensi at home be enough for DC United, or will they need points from Portland, Seattle, and or the Red Bulls? The other three games this year. Jason, you're the one that typically keeps track of where the the playoff line is likely to be. Of the three of us
1: mm-hmm.
0: so what do you think
1: uh i mean if you told me if, if you went to slightly in the future and came back and told me that 42 which is what dc has today uh ended up being good enough i wouldn't be entirely surprised i would kind of laugh because that's sad um but also i wouldn't be shocked uh currently montreal is the first team out with 37 um They've played 30 games, which, like D.C., means they've played more than just about everybody. Um, right. in Are fact, they going
0: to get six points out of the next four well games? That,
1: that's the tricky part, because they play three out of four at home because Montreal is cold in the springtime. So they always have a backload of home games um, of sorts. And so they've got Cincinnati at home, which is not that's great news. Three points. Um, they are at the Galaxy, which who knows how that, that's two yeah. completely bonkers teams clashing. Who knows? I mean, probably an East Coast team traveling to the West. You just figure that's that'll hold. Uh, they then mantra hosts Atlanta on September 29th, and then hosts the Red Bulls on October 6th. So they have a difficult schedule, but they also have three at home. Um, I figure you have to expect them to beat Cincinnati, um, but after that, I mean they might not ever get above 42 um, to such an extent that you have to start to consider Orlando who have 34, but they have a game in hand. Um, Orlando, they have, where are they at? I'm looking at the wrong team. Um, so they host LAFC, which is good news for DC. Yes. Um, they host the revs, which means someone's going to get bad news in that game. Hopefully that's a draw. That would be awesome for DC. Yeah. Um, if those two just take points off each other, uh, at Houston, Orlando probably wins that. Houston's a mess right now. Um, poor Davey Arnaud is trying to um, solve a problem that is probably a multi-year problem, an organizational But when has problem. Orlando
0: ever won a game with the playoffs on the line?
1: That's true. Uh, Orlando is Orlando, and they might do something foolish. Um, Orlando is at Cincinnati September 29th, which is probably bad news because Cincinnati is historically bad. Um, and on decision day, it's Orlando against Chicago, who are is in 10th on 34 points um so if la or if orlando loses to lafc you've got two teams with the same point total and the same number of games left to play um so that one could be interesting but again you know for orlando or chicago to get to 42 they need to pick up eight points
2: um and then
1: yeah.
2: go ahead ben i think i was reading somewhere that uh the fact that DC United got the win against Montreal uh, me- meant that they went from uh, uh, around 70% to make the playoffs to 90% to make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah that's five thirty eights Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That game, the, the fact that it's, it's a three swing or a six point swing against the team that is currently the team you have to be better than to get into the playoffs. Yeah. That kind of sealed the deal for DC, quite frankly. Um so yeah, they could get in if they lose their final four games. Um I think it's it's not out of the question at all because one yeah. uh, the the other teams aren't very good, quite frankly. Um the teams we're talking about here are all desperately flawed teams. I mean, our friends at Hot Time in Old Town have been talking about Chicago as having no chance of the playoffs for months now. Um the fact that they're even still theoretically in in the race is absurd. Um So that's the good news that the bar is going to stay low. These teams are not going to surge up the standings. Um, So really it's, it's for me, the focus is much more about what is DC going to do when they get there? Um, Because if this team is on the road, like the home record versus the away record has, they're almost the same. Um, And it, it really is more about, can they find some form? I'm not really worried about getting in at all because, I'll be blunt. I just don't have any respect for the teams that are going to have to <laughs> jump over them. Um, will they stay ahead of the Red Bulls, the revs and TFC? That's the, the tough part because um, I want to say one of those teams has like a very easy schedule. It's not the revs. They've got a bunch of road games.
2: I think it's
1: um, TFC. Um, and, and it's TFC T- the last year, you know, T- TFC is definitely a, No, they've got a bunch of road games, too. Um, They do have two very easy home games, though, uh, TFC. So um, they come in at or hosting Columbus on decision day. So if they need a win, they're kind of D.C.'s situation where if they need a win to get in, they have a very favorable uh, possibility. But, yeah, I'm not I think they've already got it, quite frankly. I think 42 did the job um, already because the bar is just going to be comically low this year in the East so weird
0: uh, uh next question comes from yayito shippero i'm sorry for butchering that i really am on twitter at yayito shippero i'm really sorry uh asks us at filibuster dcu why would the team not at least the stream the friendly against Puebla? and this is a great <laughs> question that <laughs> 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 And that anyone who wasn't at Audi field who wants to follow DC United probably also asked. Um, there were three friendlies this year. Flow FC streamed the first one, uh, which was Real Batiste, right? Or was yes. it? Yeah, the this, first one was yeah, Real, Real Batiste. The
1: Real game, they streamed.
0: That one streamed. The second one was against a French team. I n- didn't bother to remember. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're Marseille, uh, right? It yes. Olympic Marseille. Yeah. Um, and and that game actually was happening at the same time as league games. And MLS said, reportedly, anyway, as far as we know, the league said, don't stream this one because it's in competition with our actual product. And so I Sports didn't that. stream it. Um, that's the story. And then this one, there was no MLS happening. It was an empty calendar. They would have had as many subscribers watching the game as they wanted and they didn't bother to stream it, which um, I, I
1: will say, I will throw out that Marseille did stream the game anyway. Um, that's true. They streamed they it announced it the day of no, 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 they, they streamed it on Twitter. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, I, I thought it was going to be maybe geo but I ended up trying it without VPN and it worked fine. Um, so, but that was a, like, that was a bigger club than DC United just saying, screw you guys. We're going to do what we want. There's nothing you can do to stop us. Um, right, and that was that, um, but in this case, uh yeah, um, the game should have been streamed, and it definitely wasn 't yeah my my answer is what the hell
0: <laughs> i i don 't know why this game wasn 't streamed, and I think the team should answer questions about why it wasn 't streamed because um, I mean I, I, I think- paying a subscription and to to get extra content, not just league games and if extra content doesn't include friendlies that they're charging people to watch in person, what, what
2: it's, it's not even just the extra content. It's the the regular content that they're supposed to be providing. Isn't up to snuff. Uh, We were told at the beginning of the year when flow FC first got the contract that they were going to have content throughout the year, not just the games, but we we were going to have content that was, uh, uh throughout the week that that was going to support the team and, and be better than the previous uh, uh, rights holders had had. And that has just not happened at all. And so it's just been a, a dereliction of duty that flow of has done that it's, it's been terrible this entire season. uh Going from the quality of the broadcasts up to the quality of just what the things they're trying to provide to us. And it's it's just been bad every way in step and form.
0: Yeah, they've given us extended interviews with Ben Olson leading up to games like once a week. And by extended, I mean a few minutes long, four to five minutes. So not even that in depth not a coach's show which the team has expressed interest in in the past but
2: like, also that's a dc united producing that that's not flow yeah. really I mean, producing that's what that. i
0: thought they were that's what i thought one of the things was a- absolutely going to be because dc united wanted a coach's show when they were partnering with csn they wanted a coach's show i i assumed that that was going to be part of it and it hasn't been um and and the the single best thing flow has done all year. I will give them credit came out this week and it was a, a 17 minute feature on big Rob, um, mm. which was, was very well done. And um, I don't know if they had anything to do with Rob coming out for, for a game recently um, flying back from Oregon to, to attend a game. Um, but it was, it was powerful and moving. And if you have the means, please find Rob Jalipsy's, uh, go fund me and and help him pay for his cancer treatments and keep him alive uh, because um cancer sucks and and he's got one of the worst and rarest forms and uh he he's been through hell and we want to keep him on this planet so go help big rob if you you have the means to do so um but but flow fc uh you don't have to give your money to them after this year uh because they, they've made it not worth our while and it's it's unfortunate because they had an opportunity to to prove a lot of people wrong and they steadfastly have they've me. tech
2: broed it. They've tech broed it. They've they just did. been that's the exactly what they did tech bros and thought they could they could just come in and make it all great and they didn't. And they just beefed it from uh, from sunrise to sunset, and it's been really bad. And I th- uh, personally, as someone who has tried to watch every game available uh, that I that I've been a- able to on Flow FC, I think DC United needs to break this contract somehow because it's not working.
0: I mean, and, maybe flow breaks it because they got out of business.
1: Somebody needs to break it. I
2: don't, care, I don't know, but uh, somebody needs and, to break it.
1: And I, you know, I know that teams have, uh, I've, I've had the impression that teams given the choice between a bad stream, um, or a stream without graphics or announcers or something like that, or no stream will choose no stream because they don't want to get yelled at for a bad stream. Um, they've for whatever reason, this is not the choice I would make, but it's the choice that teams have made that I've heard. I've heard this about in multiple leagues from multiple different teams that, um, the choice, the preferred choice seems to be just don't have one. Um, but the video equipment was on because the, the stadium, uh, scoreboard or the, uh, the giant, um, uh, jumbotron was showing replays, was showing the game. Um, there were cameras pointed at the action. Um, they were showing replays, so they had some graphics capability within the, the production crew that was working for making that happen. Um, so there was the options of doing this, were there. Um, I can compare this to there was a, a Spirit game uh, a couple of years ago that um, had to be replayed, and it had to be replayed first thing in the morning. It had been a national TV game, um, but the Spirit had the equipment in place to film the game without announcers and without graphics. And the league said, no, um, don't put it out there. So it's, it's, this is the kind of thing that it's an idea that organizations that put sports on video for the public to consume. It's a, it's an idea that must be out there it must be in a best practices manual somewhere saying like, well, if you can't do an A plus job, just don't bother. Um, but to my opinion, one, why would you be not ready to do an A plus job for this friendly Uh, and then two, even if you can't put the, put the video up for people, um, they want to see their team play, they're paying, uh, to see their team play, um, give them the thing that they paid for. So I don't, I don't understand it at all. Um, but I do, I did just want to clarify that side of it, that this is not the only time I've encountered this sort of concept. Um, and I don't understand it, but it is a thing that bounces around for whatever reason, um, but in my opinion, they absolutely don't have an excuse. You've got to put this game on. This is the whole thing. The whole thing is you're filming DC United play soccer games. They played a soccer game, put it out to the world. Yeah.
0: So our next question comes from uh, Jimmy R. Who's at DCU underscore Gooner on Twitter. Who, who asks us at filibuster DCU. What is the largest animal you each believe you could single-handedly saran wrap to a lamppost. Hmm. So I think we're doing regulation streetlight lamppost, right. is how I'm interpreting yeah.
1: that. Right. Uh, no. Not like a telephone no. pole that happens to have a lamppost on it. Right. Regu- yeah. Okay. So Regu-
2: regulation, right, regulation Saran rep?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not the cheap stuff, not the store brand stuff. The actual, he used capital S Saran. So we're talking about the brand, Okay. the good stuff.
1: the the, The largest animal Susan Sarandon produces from her home yes
0: Yes. that is that yes
1: (laughs) no that's where saran wrap comes from
0: everyone knows that Jason yes so the largest animal you could single-handedly saran wrap to a lamppost
2: I want to say I Maybe a raccoon. I, I, I'm I'm not very strong, so I I, <laughs> I I definitely don't think I could saran wrap anything larger than a raccoon.
1: So Maybe I, a possum.
2: I, I think I think a possum is less is less feisty than a raccoon. So I'm gonna, I'm I'll, I'll I'll revise and go with a possum.
1: See, I think there's an element of of game theory that you have to take into account here, which is that there are large animals that can be easily subdued. Because they are more amenable to people, and once they've calmed down, then you can start to wrap them in saran wrap next to a lamp. Um, So I think the I think wait hold on I think we we're not wrapping them in
0: saran wrap next to a lamp pole. We are yeah yeah, yeah, I know in my head they have to be off the ground for this to count. Yeah, Uh, that's not specified. No, that's not specified. Uh, But if you were talking about saran wrapping someone to a lamppost or something to a lamppost it is not touching the ground. Let's let's stipulate that.
1: No, I refuse. No, that's not specified in the question We're we're sticking to the question as written. Uh, And so (laughs) my answer, my answer is the largest human that uh, I can get, uh, go get drunk with and then talk them into maybe hanging out by the lamppost for a few minutes. And then eventually you sort of convince them that it would be funny to be saran wrapped to the lamppost. And then eventually they're saran wrapped to this lamppost. It doesn't mean that they're up in the air. Um, and it doesn't even mean that they're against what's happening. They might be on board because they think it's going to be a funny story later. Um,
2: so yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I do think I could saran Adam.
1: Game, that's my answer.
2: Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I do think I could saran wrap Adam to a, uh, uh, a, a lamppost. No, that wouldn't happen. Think, it think wouldn't about, happen. think
0: about how funny it would be later though. It, <laughs> I'm going to saran wrap you guys. to it. As far as animals non-human animals. Humans are fact, animals. I know for a fact. That's why I said non-human animals. I know for a fact I could I could Saran wrap my dog Quincy who is 60 pounds because he's my dog. Similar to to Jason's theory like
1: Right. Quincy, Quincy would, would trust me wanted. to do that.
0: He yes. would not be happy about it. He would look really concerned, but he would let it happen. Um and that's bigger than a possum or a raccoon. Uh yeah, when I
2: first said that, that was just like a random animal. I was just like, hiatchin' on.
0: You were what? Hiatchin'. Is that Virginia <laughs> for something? Is that, like, what? what is that? No,
2: no. That, that's just like, I'm, I'm that jumping like on. Is
0: slaying from I, further up the Ohio River than where I'm from?
2: Could be. It, it's just I, I, an animal I am jumping on without uh, uh, previous regard.
0: And that noise again is yachin. Okay. Just wanted to be clear. I feel like I'm learning something here.
1: But how would you uh, spell that? Can't be spelled. Okay. That's fair.
0: <laughs> I, I have not scrolled to the next question yet. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's an animal bigger than my dog. I could. I mean, I could put my 16 pound dog with my 60 pound dog and well, that's two animals
1: them. though that's a whole that's different category. that's not the
0: question we're out we're, we're outside yeah but that that that's you know a good 76 pounds sure but
2: what anyway about an ad- what about an atom sized we could we could put an atom sized <laughs> nobody is saran
0: wrapping me to a lamppost it's not happening. That, yeah <laughs> but you know i mean that that gets filed under famous last words yeah. but <laughs> it's not happening
2: <laughs> challenge accepted
0: next question It comes from Eric Nyler, E. Nyler on on Twitter, who says, love the podcast, listen every week. Thank you, Eric. Hi. Thank you for listening. We love you. Uh, As a suburban Maryland dad, I feel like DC United has sort of left us out to dry. No TV, late start times, expensive tickets, and a mediocre but talented team that's gone astray. Should we bail or give DC United a chance? Nobody where he lives wears DC United t-shirts. Uh, I mean, so I, so he's I, not it's not a community thing. It's something he has to keep the flag going on himself.
2: I think it relates back to the flow FC thing, where it's just like d c United did a bad job of choosing their uh TV provider, uh, not TV provider, but you know what I mean uh when they had Wayne Rooney, they needed to choose a broadcast provider that would be able to. Go across the entire DMV, and they didn't. And these are the kind of things. These are the kind of responses that uh, that happen.
0: I think it goes way beyond that. Like if they had had a, a streaming only provider that had a more reasonable price and a better product, it would be less of a less of a deal, less of a thing than it is. Because the the number of people who happen to stumble upon a game. On CSN or News Channel Eight is is not that high. You're not. That's not where you're winning fans. You might convert fans once they get to the stadium and they they want to watch more games that way. That's the argument. But I think the the bigger thing is that the the tickets are a lot more expensive, especially if you're not a yeah. season ticket holder. The single game tickets they they've decided to maximize revenue as opposed to maximizing attendance. So there are very few sellouts, um, which is the opposite. To what Portland or Kansas City do, where they want a sellout every single game, they want no empty seats in the entire stadium, and so you you go to the stadium and it costs an arm and a leg to get in. It costs thirteen dollars a beer. Um, even the hot dogs aren't that cheap once you're inside. So and there's not a lot for kids to do. It's not like RFK where you had the the Volkswagen garage where kids could go make signs which also gets them more invested in the team. Uh, there's no certainty you're going to see Talon because he's moving around and not on any particular schedule and they don't tell you where he is. Um, there, there's just a lot where they've left families out in the cold on, on at Audi field and on TV. I don't think they're even doing the DC United kids club anymore, which they used to do. There was one player every year. There was like a kid's ambassador and you'd get his player card and, you know, a letter from him uh if you signed up for the kids club and it it was a cool thing and i was looking forward to doing that with with my kids and they stopped doing it once my kid my oldest kid was was old enough to actually do it they don't they don't do it anymore it's just they they forget that kids are are there and i don't know about you but i believe that children are our future we should teach them well and let them lead the way
2: uh, yeah, it seems like they forget a lot uh, about a lot of segments of fans, and kids are a large portion of it. And people who are parents of kids are an even bigger portion of it. Yeah.
1: I mean, you, it's good that we we can kind of answer this question from the two angles, because you guys are uh, dads, uh, and I am a suburban Maryland expert. Um, <laughs> and for me... Um, the, the TV situation, on one hand, it's definitely not a good deal. Um, but I think if they, had ha- if they had this deal and it were actually up to standards, I feel like people would be a lot less upset about it. Um, and I'm thinking about this in terms of like, I didn't have Netflix for a time. And then people kept talking about things that I wanted to see on Netflix. And eventually I said, okay, I have to make a choice. Do I want to keep having my... 12 bucks a month or do I want Netflix and I chose to get Netflix um I think if the streaming package were maybe a couple bucks cheaper um, and actually delivered on the promises that were were made up front then that part of it I wouldn't really I wouldn't really side with saying well there's no TV um, I would say that if you want it enough you'll go get it because it's eight bucks a month you can either choose to get it or not Um, the option is there for you. Um, the deal as is, is a different problem because you have the added bonus of, or the bonus in scare quotes of not getting what you think you're paying for. Um, the late start times, I am a documented huge fan of, uh, because I don't have kids in the morning, so I don't have to deal with that problem. Um, so that's at night. That's why, yeah, that's why there's, it's good that there were dad experts, To answer that, (laughs) for I can't even tackle that. For me, the late start times are awesome. And uh, driving in for a 7 o'clock kickoff on a weeknight, for example, would be hellish. Um, Pushing them back has its benefits. And part of that is that people go home and get out of the way. Um, Yeah, weeknight kickoffs, I don't mind being late, especially in this
0: town mm -hmm. where, where people work late and traffic is bad. But the the late Saturday night kickoffs uh, have caused some stress on my family. The late Sunday kickoffs,
2: yeah, Sundays, uh, yeah, Uh, late Sunday
0: uh, kickoffs usually aren't late, but some of them are, and it's ridiculous because my kids have school the next day. I'm not like they don't come to weeknight games anyway because school the next day, and they're still very young.
2: As me, uh, somebody who is not in D.C., I can't come up to a Sunday game, especially a late Sunday game. I. uh, that just I can't do it, so mm-hmm. uh the lack of Saturday evening games means that I don't come up to games anymore just because the way the way it happens is i it's just not available to me anymore,
0: yeah, I was really hoping that in when when they had complete control over dates at at a new stadium like Audi Field, that we would see more afternoon games in the early part of the season in the very end of the season. You know obviously, in the the height of July and August and early September, no, you don't want afternoon games because I mean it's, it's hot out. it's hot and it's humid and it's miserable <laughs> yeah. but in in March and April and May, oh my gosh, May in the afternoon, give me that afternoon sun, sure. But we don't, they had like two afternoon games and they were both on Sundays, probably (laughs) because this year there were just not a ton of Saturday games, but more Saturday night games uh, is, is good. That's fine. Like I can deal with the lateness of those, even if it's not ideal, but there's, there's a lot with the schedule that, that leaves much to be desired. Um,
1: I, I will say that, I mean, a big problem with the late start times isn't even the team saying, Um, We're interested in people who stay up late and people who don't have kids. It was just the 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 way the stadium was built. Um, And to a certain extent, like it sounds like that was just not considered at all uh, based on the reporting from Pablo Maurer, who did a great job tracking all that stuff down. But the is other especially side
0: weird, it, given the amount of time they talked about. We did sun studies and it's going to be great.
1: Yes, they, like, they had did, they? You know, did they? they had a book? They did. we're ticket perspective. Um, but the other side of that is that um, in that building with the nationals nearby, how much flexibility is there? Um, and it's it's probably more than we think, but it's also probably less than is ideal. There's probably some constraints that just aren't being considered. Um, and I, I. What else? What is there? if we just oh.
2: didn't have the Nationals?
1: Oh, that would be great. That would. That's the best solution I've heard about anything in a long time, and we should do it today, right now. But it's, it's not. It's almost midnight, but we've still got time to dissolve the Washington Nationals. They're not even
0: the first Washington area sports team I would dissolve if given the opportunity.
1: I, I mean, well, that's yes. fair. Um, but you know, you might stop and also just in a second. Of, those other guys to rename themselves. Uh, hey, who's the second? No. Uh, so the first is,
0: J- as Jason alluded to, I, I broke up with the NFL long ago. I want to dissolve yeah, the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that sure. gone. There's an indoor variant of the sport. That oh, we yeah, can go ahead okay. and dissolve. There's uh, a, a wannabe version of the sport. That's going to be playing at Audi field in, oh, yes. in the Let's not late winter. That,
1: that league is actually going to exist until they start playing because <laughs> that's fair uh that seems like an awfully fly by night venture yes Um, but those are three teams i would dissolve before very true um but uh, you know the the final line of this is a mediocre but talented team that has gone astray um that i mean if you don't if you only want to follow a team then they're winning then this podcast probably isn't for you (laughs) um this podcast is the like it's it's it's, you know september 2013 let's record an episode once a week about dc united
0: um that was when we decided to go the first year we didn't even do it once a week we were once every other week or something and then we're like 2013 you're like yeah let's let's, do more let's just turn Um, into the misery
1: yeah no um so that's not a criticism i don't want to come across as like being mean but uh yeah i don't think we're equipped to answer that part of it because we follow the team regardless we're those kind of people Um, And you don't have to be that way. Um, Everyone can support the team however they want or support whatever team however they want. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't know how we would answer that part of it. Um, I don't think DC United has set out to leave families in the the cold. Um, I think that a lack of foresight has cost has found them, they found themselves in this situation without necessarily seeing what was coming down the road or seeing the consequences of their actions. It's incredibly on brand for DC
0: United in 2019.
1: I do think also that there has just been a recent indication from some of their their new social media folks that they understand that they have made some mistakes and that they are trying to win some people back that have lost interest to some degree. Um, And maybe that's just one person who has figured it out and is trying to piece together, or maybe that's an organizational priority going forward. I don't know. Um, we're we're in the middle of it, so it's hard to say for sure. I hope that they are like, we want to get all those people that used to care a lot and now only care a little bit. We want to get them back to caring a lot. Um, But that's going to take a lot of work. Uh, Once you lose someone's trust to a certain extent, it takes a long time to bring them back. So if they are doing that, I hope they're prepared for the long haul.
0: Next question comes from Brian Joyce at Brian Joyce on Twitter, uh, who asks, You, Jason, specifically, what Mm -hmm. would it take for you to disregard journalistic etiquette and celebrate wildly in the press? And what past D.C. United moment would have made you do that?
1: First of all, I want to throw out there that um, I know Brian and I uh, think Brian might be the kind of person that uh, could possibly end up uh, saran wrapped to a light post in the right circumstances. Um, if you play, if, if, if you played your cards, right, you might be able to pull it off. Um, but, uh, all right. The the real answer is honestly none because like sincerely all of us have put in a ton of work on the site and throwing away the site's ability to get credentials to be an idiot in the press box would be bad. It would disregard years of work. So I'm not going to do that. Um, putting that aside, if that was just not a thing and I would just get like yelled at by a team employee and that would be it. Be a,
2: you don't want to be a Hamdi Salihi fan.
1: Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't want to get in trouble in it to that degree. Um, or, um, I, and I also don't want to follow the, um, the French, uh, embassy folks who were at the women's national team against France at RFK, who were just openly cheering their team and loudly singing, um, various songs. um, If, if the, if it weren't a thing where it would throw away years of work to get to the point that we're at with the team, um, I mean, I got through the, uh, Rooney tackle last year without, uh, losing the credential or without losing my mind in the press box. So, um, I'm probably, I've gotten pretty good, I guess, at putting on the mask of, um, journalistic integrity, uh, for the time being. And then once I get out of there, I can have my, my time. Um, yeah, and I
0: do know that Jason does celebrate outside of the press box. Uh, we watched the 2013 Open Cup final <laughs> together, and uh, it's a bit of a blur. But uh, Adam I, definitely
1: I, jumped on me at some point, <laughs> but not in a bad way.
0: No, um, there, there there are pictures of me with people I hugging and and embracing people I I had not seen before that night and have not seen since. Uh, at least in in direct contact, uh, which which is exactly the way it should be because it right. was a celebration. Hey.
1: Um, but I, I will say, and and, and you know, uh, Brian's seen a few of the Brian's seen the days where celebrating at RFK involved running. Um, but uh, I guess if I had to pick a moment from the past, um, like Nick Romando saving Clint Dempsey's penalty kick, um, would be a good one to uh, to have the team staff ask you to leave and not come back over. Um, but it's gotta be something to that degree. Um, because otherwise you are getting in the way of people's work. Like it, it is, you're at work. Like you have to treat it like that. And, and other people are there like doing their job that feeds them or their family. So, um, yeah, you've got to find, uh, it's gotta be a big moment. It's gotta not just be, oh, they scored a goal. Um, but it is difficult. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You do have to kind of like consciously swallow that emotion rather than let it out. Um, it's a tricky thing you have to do, but uh, it is something you have to do. I I don't know how many people in the press box are actually grappling with that. Um, There are a couple people that are sort of like latent fans or have sort of pushed their fanship down to be quote unquote, journalistically objective, which doesn't really exist um, because it turns out journalists are often humans. um, And so they have opinions about things. Now the robots, I know them, but, But uh, yeah, we're in the press box. I I shouldn't say I'm the only one because there are a few other people doing a similar fan site kind of thing who are very much in favor of DC winning games. But uh, yeah, you do have to still you have to go in there and remember that you're at work. Um, And so you have to not yell or uh, throw stuff out of the press box when you're angry or things like that. It turns out. Um, you have to at least pretend briefly to be a civilized human being, which I can do for you know, three to four hours at a time.
0: Next question comes from Facebook. Matthew Gladfelter asks us uh, Is the super draft even relevant anymore? We've seen DC United repeatedly punt on draft picks. The only notable he can think of recently is Julian Gressel with Atlanta United. How long before the super draft is just gone? I think it's a relevant question. Uh, I don't know that we have an answer right now because the super draft more than a, a player acquisition mechanism is an event for the league right now. Kind of like all-star is is a big event for the league. It's something they can plan around a year in advance and have meetings and get all the GMs and coaches together and get lots of fans together just to celebrate the league in addition to their teams, there's a lot of networking and socializing that happens there. I kind of don't want it to go away, even though because even though it is a lot less relevant than it was even a few short years ago, because it is that kind of event. And Jason, you went to it in Chicago this year. I've been mm-hmm. to it in Baltimore a couple of times, um, both as a fan and as press. And it's it's fun. It's a fun thing to go to, even if it really doesn't matter that much on the field.
1: I I don't think it's going anywhere um at this past draft I think multiple questions kind of hinted at this or were directly about it and Don Garber said that he did not see the draft going away anytime soon. Um the league still values it as an event as Adam said um a lot it's a big deal for the league. They like getting everyone together. Um sponsors like it. <laughs> sponsors love it. Um it's also like the unofficial start of the preseason so it's an event that brings that in that gets news coverage, traditional media are still going to say, oh, it's the draft. That's a thing that I'm familiar with from the other sports we cover.
0: Um, and also from a media angle, we do traffic. Like mm-hmm. soccer sites in America do really good traffic around the draft.
1: Yeah, people uh, people are desperate when it, turn, it turns out when they haven't had anything to read about for a couple months about their team. They get really excited to read even minor things about their team. Um, so yeah, it's not going away. Um, the draft is also important for teams that have their USL affiliate up and running. Yeah, that's, that's where um, it comes through. And, and, you know, DC ended up, you know, Shinya Kodono played for Loudon for a bit and that now is on loan, um, with, uh, the fantastically named South Georgia Tormenta, um, who also have like an awesome crest. Uh, you should look it up. It's a, it's like a neon pink and blue Pelican. Um, it looks pretty awesome. Can we get um, them to play forward, Madison, just all the time? They well, they are in the same league, so they will play each other and have uh, an awesome uh, brand off. Um, but yeah, uh, it didn't work out that well this time. But there's no reason to think that DC won't stock Loudon um, with several very good players that just need more time to catch up to MLS. Um, and there are some guys out there that you know the teams that did their homework are getting you know Minnesota has Hassani Dotson and Chase Gasper playing real minutes in MLS this year. Um, And those are guys that I saw Chase Gasper play for his entire time at Maryland. I did not think he was going to ever make it in MLS. Um, Dotson was not a big name coming out of college either. So the teams that did their scouting um, are still getting things out of it. And as long as that Mason toy came
0: through the super draft
1: too. Yes. uh, He was a generation Adidas guy though. Um, So he, he was more likely to pan out. Um, but in either case, like as long as a few teams are getting something out of it, there's, you're never going to have teams say, just stop doing this. You might have one or two teams, you know, the Philadelphia union traded all of their picks to Cincinnati, um, in one fell swoop. So you might see that happen, but there are going to be teams making use of this for the foreseeable future for at least the next five years. There'll definitely be a draft.
0: Last question uh, of this segment comes from Chris Bannon on Twitter, and I'm really happy I set it up this way because I get to end both segments talking about uh, Yamil Assad, and that just makes me happy. Yamil Assad makes me happy. I won't lie. Uh, he asks us if Asad is the Lucho replacement, who replaces Senor Wayne? So I guess we're not directly talking about Asad. We're, we're, we're talking more, I would think, about Ola Kamara because – He's the replacement for Wayne Rooney, uh, at least from the goal production standpoint, and he's already on the team. Hooray! <laughs> uh, broader, I, I, I assume Chris means who replaces him as the the draw, the the marketing, the the face of the team kind of role, in addition to whatever he provides on the field, and outside of a certain coffee shop magnate who currently lives in North London. I, I, and who I don't think is actually coming to DC United. I, no. I don't have an answer.
2: I mean, I think it's going to be Paul Ariola until Paul Ariola decides to leave the team. He's going to be the face going forward. And uh, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be the guy.
1: I, I kind of wonder, we've heard enough various you know, some of them very flimsy rumors, some of them not as flimsy, um, about guys based in England that have, have that premier league experience that, um, I feel like DC and I had quite enjoyed the amount of attention they got from Wayne Rooney coming in. And I don't think that they are tired of doing that yet. Um, I also don't think that they, they feel that they're at the point that that has worn out, worn out its utility, um, in a way that can't be replaced or that could be replaced some other way. So I think they're going to look for more options like that. Um, I don't know that they're going to successfully complete them. I I kind of have a feeling that maybe they've learned their lesson that it's got to be the right guy uh, that we're not going to see another um, Verone falls through. So let's sign Gallardo situation. Um, they're going to be like, we need to be 100% on this because of the amount of money we're going to be putting up. Um so uh, I think they are going to go back to that. Well, one more time. Um, Ozeal, I don't think that's ever going to work. Um, the amount of money that they would have to pay him is just, it's more money than most uh, anyone has uh, on earth. So um, unless he's just like super in love with the district uh, and is like, sure, fine. I'll pay for, I'll play for the Rooney salary price point. But his, his salary is like four times what Rooney made for DC United. Um, like, it's not even close. We're not talking about a couple million dollars. We're talking talking about four times what Wayne Rooney made. Um, so, yeah, that one's probably not going to happen. I hope his coffee house is good. Um, if it ever happens. I hope it doesn't own, replace the bike valet. That's what yes, I'm most that worried would be about. A, that would be bad. Um, they should I have bike a coffee games. house. I don't want, want the valet to not. go away you absolutely should not replace the bike valet. This is DC. People enjoy riding bikes to things. There are bike lanes that go right up to the stadium. Um, you need to make sure it was that they part st- of the
0: benefits that you promised yes. when you built it.
1: Um, do build a coffee house. Don't replace the bike valet for sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, to answer the question, I think they're going to go back to the premier league. Well, I think they're going to look for someone that's maybe in the 30 to 32 years old range rather than 33, like Rooney was when he got here. But do I know who that is? No, I, I more know who it isn't, and that's Mesut Ozil, unless he wants to take a fifteen million dollar pay cut, which probably he doesn't, because most people don't like to do that. Most people
0: would be well into and beyond the red if they took a fifteen million dollar right. pay cut. They oh, I would, would be doomed. paying fifteen million dollars.
1: If I took a fifteen million dollar pay cut, what a disaster!
0: My yeah, mo- <laughs> most people's pay is a rounding error. <laughs> on $15 million. Um, anyway, I think that's it for, for this episode. Anything else you guys want to add before we, we get out of here.
1: We've said enough.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Uh, before you do that, go support Rob Gillespie, big Rob. Um, cause, cause he needs it a lot more than we do uh, find us on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at black and red U for the website. We all have personal accounts that are easy enough to find. So I'll leave that to you guys emails. Uh, we read all of them, send them to filibuster at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud overclassed uh, wherever you get your podcast. Mostly though, please tell a friend about the the show. So whenever you are wherever you find yourself this weekend whether it's the ren fest or or the mall or wherever else people go uh just find a stranger and yell at them about filibuster don't do that but tell a friend about the show and we'd really appreciate it for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason
1: guys yeah, have terrible news i'm over 14 million dollars in debt